This is our Father's heart. And I woke up this morning, and I had this thought going through me, and and uh, I'm assuming it was the Lord. I'm going to blame it on Him. I just wish that He would have waited until I was totally up instead of waking me up like this, because it was early. Um, but this is what was going through my mind. And you'll see this later. We will never be loved enough if our love is based on our feelings. We will never be loved enough if our love is based on our feelings. So as we speak of our Father's heart and then the next um, four weeks, because I'm going to obviously extend this because I can't do it in three, but we're going to talk about our Father's heart today and then we'll talk about uh, prayer and how that allows us to stay intimate with the Father. And then we'll talk about the importance of the church and staying connected to the Father's heart there as well. But this morning, I just want to share with you a little bit about the Father's love. And you say, well, I already know that. But here's what I've found out. There's a lot of people that know about it, but they don't know it. And they live off their emotions. And so uh, they love God. They believe that God loves them when everything is going great. But as soon as the fire comes, as soon as the testing comes, as soon as the trial comes, they shrink back. They want to know where God is. How come he doesn't love them? And we have to get beyond that. And so hopefully this morning, this will help us out. Uh, so I'm starting in John chapter 3, verse 16, which is a familiar scripture for all of us. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, you know, that statement alone is powerful. Because he's talking about he doesn't want us to perish. So then he's for us. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Another great standalone scripture. If you didn't know anything else and you knew this scripture, you ought to be happy. Because he's declaring why he sent Jesus was to save us. And then verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And again, what another scripture, because when we place our faith in him and guess what? We're not condemned. But if you choose not to and you have that right, because God is not going to make you believe him. Then you are condemned. <clears throat> But the interesting thing about all of this in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18 is before you and I were created, before we did anything good or bad, right or wrong, God loved us. No matter what we have done or haven't done, no matter what we have done to others or what others have done to us, God still loves us and God still loves them. And... In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. What a wonderful, loving father that we have, that we can rest assured, we can be confident in the fact that God loves us. 
And all of us have this struggle that we have to overcome. The lie that God only loves us when we are good. In our minds, we have classifications of sin, of sin where some are worse than others and some just aren't that bad at all. They're just little white lies. And so, you know, we have classifications, but God looks at sin as sin. It doesn't matter what it is. But he also looks at the fact that he loves us no matter what. Now, that doesn't mean that we get all the blessings from walking with him. But the truth of the matter is, is he loves us. And, you know, all of life teaches us that if you do something, you'll get rewarded good for it. If you do good, you're going to get, you study, what are you going to get? You're going to get good grades. You go to work, what are you going to get? You're going to get a paycheck. And then we carry that over with the Lord. And even though we know that it's by grace that we're saved and it's a free gift, we still, we, we're so used to working to show that we belong and that we're worth something that we start doing that with God as well. We know that we're not supposed to do it like that, but we try to earn our way with God anyways. We try to be good enough and we find out that it's never good enough because we start from a place of sin and try to appease God enough and it can't work. If you'll turn with me to Revelation 13, 8, please. And, you know, it's amazing how we start off realizing that we're not perfect because that's how you come to know Jesus is to realize you're not perfect. You have a sin issue. But then after we come to know him, it's as if we forget that and we start trying to be perfect even though it's impossible for us to be perfect. So, we have to know our Father's heart is love and that He is for us. In Revelation 3.8, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to read out of the NIV for, all of the, or for this one and another one in a minute, and I'll tell you when it is. But Revelation 13.8 in the NIV, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. And that Lamb is speaking of Jesus. And so he's saying, he's letting us know, John is in the book of Revelation, that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. That's important for us to understand. We'll come back to it in a minute, but I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6 now. Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So remember Revelation, he was slain before the foundation of the world. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And then one more, and then we'll get back to this before the foundation. 
Romans 5, 6 to 8. And I'm going to read this in the NIV again. Um, that I was trained in the NIV. And, and anyways, for this verse, we're, we're going to read it. Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? So, before we could do anything good, before we did anything good, before we tried to do anything good, God loved us. Knowing that we're born into sin, and he says that in several places in the scripture, knowing that we're born into sin, it says that he demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners. While we were powerless and ungodly, God demonstrates his love for us. So if we were sinners and he loved us enough to die for us, then we have to see his heart of love for us and stop trying to figure it out and just accept and enjoy the love that he has for us. You know, you've, you've heard my story of me trying to figure out why God loved me. I mean, I wrestled with this for years because I couldn't figure out why he did. Didn't make sense to me. And finally, he spoke to me. He said, would you stop trying to figure it out and just let me love you and enjoy it? And so I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you with the truth that God is for us. Jesus is for us. The Holy Spirit is for us. They're not against us. They're not our enemies. They love us. And we need to come to a place of rest in that truth. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, 7. And we'll go to verse 10. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Isn't that awesome? So if you have the ability to love somebody, it came from God. If you have the thought, the notion, the desire to love somebody, you know what? It came from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love, right? And that's what it says. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, in, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So he came and he sent Jesus demonstrating that love for us, offering us forgiveness for our sins. And then we want to know where is he when we're in the battle? Where is he when we're going through struggles? He's there. He's for us. We have to get this. We can't be living off our emotions all the time and playing that little game with that little flower. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. We can't do that. 
We have to be secure in the fact that he loves us. No matter how he found you, he loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So it says right off the bat again, God is love. Now, in preparing for this message, I had some scriptures that I just, I really love and I've never brought them in. And I thought this is the perfect place to bring them in to show the heart of God. To show the love that he has for us. It's found in two places that I'm going to read, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Now, there are a few other places where it's a little different, but these two are the ones that I think represent it the most. And so I'm going to read them, and then we'll talk about them. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10. Here it goes. Well, wait a minute. Before I read this, he's giving instructions to them after they've left Egypt. So they're, he's teaching them how you're going to live. And this is what he says to them. Leviticus 9.19. 19, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Isn't that awesome? It's showing us the heart of God. He says, look, when you're bringing in your harvest, leave some, leave it for the poor, leave it for the sojourners. In other words, those who are foreigners and aliens. Let them have a shot at being fed as well. Now, if that's not a a good heart. I don't know what is. And then he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy 24 uh, verse, verses 19 to 22. <clears throat> he says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back for it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work of your hands. And when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. <clears throat> you shall remember... That you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore I command you to do this. To me that's a loving heart. Of an incredible father. Who is saying look. And, and realize. They had hard times in Egypt. They had hard times in the wilderness. But this is the instruction that God gave them. Because he loves people. He loves the fatherless. He loves the widow. He loves the soldier. 
He loves the poor. He loves the sinner. He loves the ungodly. He loves the powerless. When we read these scriptures out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we're seeing that God is thinking about those who cannot help themselves and how the people of God, now the church, should care for them. And by the way, let me just say, the church, not the government. The government has stepped in and reversed things, and now it's all messed up. They need to give it back to the church. And he does this to allow them to remember how they were And when they remember how they were, they have compassion on who's there as well. He loves us. God loves us. He's not against us. He's not our enemy. You know, Diana has had to remind me of that throughout our years. I love you. I'm not your enemy. I'm for you. So we need to have that reminder as well. And here's one of the things that has helped me out the most is we don't have to understand his love to welcome it into our hearts. We don't have to understand his love. If I can be honest with you, we won't be able to fully understand his love down here. We'll have glimpses of it. But I don't think our hearts and our minds can handle all the love that God has for us. When we get our new bodies and everything else, then we'll be able to do that. But we can sure enjoy it and we can find peace and comfort in his love for us. There are many things that I don't understand in this life, but I appreciate them. I'm thankful for them. You know, hitting on a light switch, don't have to understand it all. I just like to know that when I turn the light switch on, the lights come on. I'm thankful for the people that know how to put it together so that I can do that. But I don't have to be one of them. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 8, it says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, Do we understand the benefit of realizing that every morning we wake up, we wake up to new mercies that God has for us? Carrie was sharing a little bit about it. The mercies come in different ways, but God, every morning that you wake up, there's a new set of mercies waiting for you for that day. There's there's grace waiting for us. And grace is... God gives us what we do not deserve. And mercy is God doesn't give us what we do deserve. That means every morning God doesn't give us according to what our sins deserve. (laughs) 
I'm going to close with this thought that I believe that God has impressed upon me concerning His heart and His love for us. But in saying that, I'm not really closing. It's going to be a while. But I just want us to have this. We have a hard time receiving God's love because we correlate it to our human understanding or our human interactions. If we are going to rest in God's love, then we are going to have to trust God. It's one thing to say that we trust God when things are going good. But do we still trust Him when things haven't gone our way? When things are going, as we call it, south. They're not going good. Do we still trust Him? When life happens and it isn't our preference as to which way it went, do we still trust Him? When our job doesn't work out, when our marriage doesn't work out, when our finances dry up or we've lost our retirement or whatever the issue is, or when we've lost someone special to us way too early, are we still able to trust God? Are we still able to trust His heart and His love for us? It was mentioned when we're going through the fire and if you want to be used by God, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you're going to go through the fire. There's no choice about it. If you want to be used in a mighty way by God, you are going to face some major difficulties in your life. There are things that you're going to have to overcome and it's going to challenge whether you trust God or not. Whether you believe that He loves you or not. To the measure that we trust God, it is the same measure we have received God's love for us. In other words, the more we rest in the love of God, the more we're able to trust God. Or another way to say it is that no matter what comes our way, no matter how bad it gets, we're going to declare that we are going to trust God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we've heard this, but I've, I've seen this in a different light. 1 John 4, 18. It starts off and it says, there is no fear in love. And so, if we're not trusting God, when things are going hard, when things haven't turned out our way, if we're not trusting Him, then we have fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we do not trust God, we walk in fear. And when we start walking in fear, it causes us to try to take control so that we don't have to be dependent on anyone else, including God. And we have this mindset, and it's taught to us through the world. You can't trust them, and so you have to start doing things for yourself. And so then you take control of your life, and nobody's going to get in. We put that little wall up around our hearts, and we let everybody know, including God, He's not getting in. Because we walk in fear. We don't trust Him. 
You can be born again. You can be spirit filled. You can talk in tongues and everything else. But I'm telling you, if you are not secure in the love that God has for you, when trouble comes, you're going to try and take control. You're going to try and figure out how to protect yourself. See it happen every day. Happens in my life. And that's when I know that I've got to become more secure, more aware of His love for us. I want to share that when COVID hit and the churches were having to shut down, I, I made a mistake. The council was when you got online, all these groups were telling pastors what they should do and how they can help their congregation, especially in the financial part of it. And they said, go to people who you know have the ability to give and to ask them to make sure that they continue to support you. And I, I did that with a few. And when I did it, it was just like, something's not right. And thank God, actually, I think I did it with two. And so after that, I just stopped. And I said, God, I'm going to trust you. And he has seen us through it. It's been amazing. But you know what? COVID was just a little bit of a fire. The real fire hit us this year. And so I told the Lord, I said, look, I said, I trust you. I trust that you love me enough that you're going to make sure that we make it. And so through this fire, I haven't said anything to anybody about our finances. The leadership knows, but other than that, nobody knows. And I'm, Diane and I are amazed every week at what God does. And I'm telling you, I have been tempted to say things. And every time I'm tempted, I say to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I messed up at COVID. I'm not messing up this time. I had a little bit of a trial. Now I don't. And not to say that this isn't a trial, but I'm, I'm here to tell you. I'm not reaching out in fear. I'm believing God. I'm trusting his love for us. And he's been faithful. And through it all, I've learned that we can depend on him. We can trust him. And so, since COVID started coming around, our house has been a house of worship. You know, what we experienced this morning is pretty much what we experience every day in our home. Diane is constantly singing, and I'm constantly listening and enjoying and in with it. But we're so amazed at the faithfulness of God. And as I was ending this, I felt like the Lord said to me, he says, you know why I'm faithful to you? I thought, that's a good question. <laughs> he said, I'm faithful to you because I love you. You see, we sing about his faithfulness. But now when I sing about God's faithfulness, it's really about his love for me. And his love demonstrates or causes him to be faithful to me. I don't ever have to question whether he's going to be with me. Because he says he will. And he's faithful to his word. 
I don't have to ever think that I'm going to go through the fire alone because he's proven that he'll get into the fire with us if he has to. Hallelujah. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. I can trust him because he loves me. And he loves you equally as much. And so I want to encourage you this time as we have the remainder of our prayer and fasting to thank God for his love and all his benefits, like his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness, his grace and mercies that are new every morning, that he loves giving to us, his peace and joy and everything that he has for us. Let us decide that we're not going to walk in fear because we don't trust his love for us, but instead we trust him because we know how much he loves us. And so I want to close with this scripture. I dare say it's one of my favorites. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. And Paul is writing to Timothy and encouraging him. And he says this. Remember Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. And I'm going to interject something. Why? Because he loves us. The offspring of David. As preached in my gospel. For which I am suffering. Bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Isn't that awesome? Paul saying that I'm bound in chains in a prison. But the word of God isn't. And I haven't had a day like Paul. Therefore. Everybody say therefore. This is verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For, and here's the saying, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And that's what Jesus said, right? But here's the one that I love. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And then he says this, for he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. And so I'm, I have a greater understanding of that. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you and hope that it's right. What does it mean that he cannot deny himself? I think it means this. That he loves us so much. That he was willing to send us Jesus before the foundation of the world. He was willing to have Jesus slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew what his mission and purpose was in this life when he came. Was to die for the powerless. Die for the ungodly. Die for the sinners. 
And so if there's a time where we are faithless, God is going to remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny the love that he has for us. And since he cannot deny the love that he has for us, when we have that momentary lapse of faith, he's going to be faithful to us. Hallelujah. And I hope that that sets us a little freer this morning. He loves us not based on what we do or don't do. He loves us. And because he loves us, can I tell you, we can trust him. We can trust him. Stand with me. We can trust him. We can trust him. And you know, I think it's in the trials. In the storms of life, in the difficulties when you lose somebody that is special to you, that and whatever it is, whatever hardship we get, we can trust him. He's faithful to us. He's going to see us through. Let me read this statement one more time. We will never be loved enough if our love is based on our feelings. It has to be based on his word. It has to be based on his actions towards us. Amen. Father we thank you for this day. And the love that you have for us. I thank you for your heart towards humanity. I thank you for the demonstration. Of your love for us. In giving us Jesus Christ. That when we were powerless and ungodly and sinners. You still died for us, demonstrating your love. When we couldn't do anything for ourselves, you provided the covering for us. And Father, I thank you that the only reason that we can love and know what love is is because you first loved us. And Father, I pray that we would rest in that even more. I pray that you would solidify that in our hearts deeper and deeper, Father. So when, when the storms of life come, when the trials come, when the fires come, we will be faithful. We will be secure. Because we know you love us, and because you love us, we can trust you. And we thank you for that hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.